ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, step right up for just one nickel. You too can peer into the bazaar, the terrifying, the just plain weird. Take a look inside if you dare. It's the Paranormal Peep Show. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome back to the Paranormal Peep Show podcast. My name is Tanner and along with me as always is Jaina. How are you doing today? I am splendiferous Tanner and yourself. I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been quite a hectic week. Um, got quite a lot of feedback about our last episode and a lot of uh, legitimately weird things and negative things happened and if you listen to the episode there were actually two disclaimers that were put in uh you may have noticed that the episode wasn't as cleanly edited as some of the other ones are and that's because i didn't listen to it uh i literally just added disclaimers in music and right. uh, did not listen to it <laughs> uh but yeah uh, do you want to do you want to talk about some of this stuff yeah, so, you know, it's really funny. When we ended the last episode, I think I said, you know, I can't wait until we do Cursed Objects Part 2. Um, I, I can wait mm -hmm. after that yeah, last episode. Yeah, um, I, You know, we talked a little bit about, um, with the disclaimer and everything, uh, you know, that when you invite some of these energies into your life, uh, sometimes strange things do happen. Um, and we, you know, Tanner was actually the one that brought up, like, are, are we in fact perpetuating the negative energy of these cursed objects by just talking about them and spreading them through the social consciousness? Um, so after we got done recording, both Tanner and I had a, a string of bad luck. I have no problem sharing mine because uh, my love life is basically just like entertainment fodder for the masses so like i had four <laughs> separate uh four separate dates basically okay uh something like that just like meeting people you know just hey chatting let's go get coffee or something i was stood up by four separate people also that same weekend this is within oh, you know geez. within four hours of the last one or no 12 hours something like that anyway um the the best part is um in my uh hastiness i may have shared spicy pics with somebody who ended up catfishing me oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was fun uh girls make sure if you do that your face is not in them and i knew to not do that um but yeah, uh no spicy pic sharing on the internet it's yeah there there's forever. that that's that's true i'm i'm um without saying too much i'll just say i'm well past that point at this point um <laughs> you, somebody's gonna like find something and post it in our discord and we'll be, then we're gonna have to like put in parental controls um right. <laughs> so anyway this um this uh energy as it were you know you and i spoke uh over the weekend then after we got done recording um, leading up to the release of the episode last weekend and and it was one of those things where you know you were talking about your bad luck and I was talking about my bad luck and I just decided that okay uh, we're gonna do some banishing and cleansing uh, and mm -hmm. I you know wrote I researched wrote and performed a, a ritual to kind of cleanse that energy um, and I thought that there were some really awesome synchronicities between you and I when I did that um, I don't know if you want to talk about it but you know what you were talking to me about like hey did did you do something like 10 minutes ago yeah no it was it was kind of odd we were i don't know it was an odd feeling and i'm not saying this for and i'm still kind of in an odd funk for other reasons but uh so if my energy on the show isn't is as, as it normally is don't don't worry uh but 
Um, yeah, we were playing a D&D game and it was kind of in this weird funk throughout the whole day uh, since editing and recording that episode and uh, was actually texting back and forth like, hey, I don't know that I want to release this. Um, <laughs> like legitimately didn't want to have people listen. Right. Um, and then uh, you're like, well, I'm going to go do something. I'm like, okay. And then come home from the D&D game. And then, I don't know, it was like, a legitimate weight was lifted off my shoulders and my mood kind of brought up and that's when I didn't think anything of it because I'm like oh I'm home and you know whatever everything's fine and I didn't put two and two together uh, and then I'm like wait a second <laughs> so that I sent you that text I'm like did you just do something and you're like yeah I finished up like 10 minutes ago or whatever it was so it was kind of it was kind of odd I don't know it was really cool and i also so so part of the work and actually you can see the entire ritual work i posted it to our listeners mm -hmm. in our discord because if anybody else you know came across something and they didn't they wanted to kind of diy it i i like sharing that information um but part of the work is is sigil work uh and part of doing sigils is charging them in some way um when i charge my sigils i use music to do it and for whatever reason you know the 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 energy was guiding me to charge it with uh don't worry be happy by bobby mcfarren so i mm -hmm. message tanner and i say okay it's done you know we're, we should be good here's the thing when you guys get home you got to listen to don't worry be happy don't question it just listen to it get into it have some fun with it dance around your living room whatever and you're like no kidding uh, we yeah. just listened to that song <laughs> yeah we were we were someone else it wasn't us but somebody else was singing it uh while we were playing DD. &D. like i don't know how it came up the conversation it was like the weirdest set of coincidences that it can't be a coincidence like i don't know right. it was just very bizarre so yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting series of events, and who knows, it, it could all just be a, a matter of happenstance and coincidence. But uh, I'd like to think when enough of those line up in a row, there's probably something to it. Right, and well, there's another <laughs> another coincidence that we'll talk about uh, later today, and you know, right. <laughs> we'll get to that. But uh, we, uh, I think last week I talked about um, a movie that I really like. And we're, we're continuing on with this trend of, of some movies, uh, that I'm recommending to you. Um, and then at the end of the show, we're both going to talk about a movie that way. If you guys haven't seen it, don't want to be spoiled. Uh, the movie's Nope. Uh, both Jane and I've seen it. We're going to go full spoiler heavy into that. So we're going to save that for the end of the show. That way, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, you can just like not listen to the end. Uh, I have but thoughts. You yeah, uh, so do I, because <laughs> I, I don't really know. I enjoyed it. Uh, the non-spoiler review of Nope is I enjoyed it, but I, I don't really know what happened. You know, same. The non-spoiler review that I gave somebody last night was I don't regret spending the money. That's exactly it. It, it was not as good as Get Out. It's uh, the nicest thing I could say. It, it wasn't it, bad. I didn't regret spending like $35, whatever it was, but... Right, right, right. It, uh, in my list of Jordan Peele movies, I would place this probably in the third slot uh, behind Us. I think Us is a better movie than Nope was. Um, but that's that's my thought. Uh, well, we'll go full spoiler heavy and analysis at the end of the show. Uh, but you did watch Gonjiam 
Haunted Asylum, a Korean found footage film about this group of teenagers who are setting out to do a live stream to become famous uh, on YouTube or whatever streaming platform they used by breaking into this haunted asylum. Uh, the, the premise of the movie is the, the organizer of this live stream is they're pranking these other people by setting up all of these things uh, and making it fake. So very similar to Grave Encounters and it's like a parody kind of, but it kind of goes way harder into the psychological horror. See, I didn't see it as the parody it. at the beginning. I I saw right. it as a as a as a legit like um no, we're just trying to show you. We're trying to pretend that this is like an actual uh uh documentary type thing. You know, uh, uh right. what's the word for it? Like reality TV documentary type things like the Zack Bagan mm -hmm. stuff, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I thought they did a really good job of portraying that. And and one thing that I thought they did very, very good in this film is is when they're introducing us to all of these characters in the first act, um, they do a great job of humanizing all of them, giving each of them a personality, making sure you care about each of these people. And and as soon as I realized, I was like, oh, I kind of care about each of these people and I know their personalities and I can like relate to each of them. I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to be scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they it, it's a very well acted movie uh, mm -hmm. and for those listening who have not seen this and want to it's free on YouTube uh, if you want to watch it uh, it's it's honestly one of my fav most favorite found footage type horror movies uh, it is a foreign film so it's all subtitled but it's 100% worth it um, <clears throat> fast forward uh, a few minutes if you don't want to be spoiled there you go. Um, my the scariest part for me in any horror movie I've ever seen is the five or so minutes when the one girl sees the like black eyed girl. Then, yeah, that girl. And then, and then goes into the asylum and then it's silence and she's just panning around looking in silence and you're waiting for something to happen. Yeah, that girl. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just waiting, <laughs> waiting for something to jump out and scare you. Yeah. And just that silence and anticipation. And that's the most edge on my seat I've ever been in a horror movie. Uh, was that one part? That was. It was pretty crazy. Um, uh, you know, the funny thing is there was definitely parts of it where I was, you know, the, uh, the adrenaline was pumping. Um Oddly, something we're going to talk about with Nope later on had my fight or flight engaged significantly higher than anything in this movie, though. Um, and I think the reason for that is uh, similar to Grave Encounters when I when we talked about that. It's got a great story. It makes you care about these people. Um, but really, uh, I remember I was sitting through the first act and the second act thinking that there's no stakes, like ghosts aren't going to do anything. Like, you know, when you in, in IRL, when you work with spirits, it's hard to be afraid of them. Um, so mm -hmm. there, there's that whole component to it. But then as almost like immediately as I was thinking, like, OK, when are they going to introduce some stakes? I'm getting bored here. Like, it's cute, but I'm bored. Uh, like, right. and then it just like pivots 
hard and like just yeah. everybody's getting pulled left and right and I'm like oh my gosh what is happening here and they do an excellent job of like portraying all of these strange things that may have been in an abandoned asylum and just the special effects that they put into it and bringing people from like where they are to where they're not expecting to be and like that creepy room and just yeah it it was a good movie I don't regret watching it I I wasn't as scared as I anticipated I was going to, especially after what you had said and after reading some of the YouTube comments before I read it. <laughs> really? It's interesting. Uh, it's it's funny because, like I said, I've seen... I'll talk about a movie that I watched last night and was, like, bored out of my mind <laughs> watching. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, it's interesting what scares different people. Because watching that movie, I think that one scene that I talked to uh, earlier is really what made me love that movie. Because it was it was the same. It was like the whole thing up to that point where it pivots hard was like, all right, this is like a good horror movie. Yeah. But then that five minute sequence, I'm like, oh my god, like what is going to happen? Like looking away from the TV, looking back, looking away, looking back, like what's going on? What's going to happen? Uh, like that's what made it for me. And watching horror movies. For me, it's like that adrenaline rush. You're like an adrenaline junkie looking for that fight or flight experience. And uh, getting something like that, I haven't had in a really long time watching a horror film. Uh, So I think that's why I really like that movie. You know what? And I got that same feeling from the thing that we're going to talk about in Nope. And I totally agree with you. You're right. It's interesting to see like what, what frightens certain people as opposed to others. That's really cool. Yeah, the movie I watched, uh, it's on Netflix. It just got added. It's called Uma. Um, it's a, another Korean film, but in English. Sandra Oh from Grey's Anatomy uh, is on it. It's all right. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Um, I'd give it maybe a three or four out of ten. It was like... You got 90 yeah. minutes to kill? Yeah, yeah. Basically, we were like eating pizza. Like, well, let's watch this. Uh, we saw the trailer, and the trailer looked interesting enough. And we watched it. And we're like, all right, it was okay, I guess. Uh, but the movie I wanted to recommend next for you on this horror journey uh, is arguably not just Tanner saying this, but the internet uh, hereditary uh, by Ari Aster is arguably one of the best horror films ever made. Um, He has also made... uh, I think we've talked about Hereditary before, just like in passing, but um, he's also made Midsommar, which is another really good like horror psychological film, but Hereditary uh, is really good, in my opinion. I don't remember a whole lot from it because I haven't seen it in a very long time, uh, but... I don't know where it's streaming, if it is anywhere, but if uh, if you can find it. So it looks like it's only on Showtime. Uh, so if you have a Showtime oh, subscription, you can watch it there. Um, you know, I'm really perplexed as to how I'm going to watch it. Very perplexed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, it's a very good one. I, I highly recommend. Uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of horror. Um, I will definitely be acquiring it after we wrap recording this evening. Sounds good. And, uh, I'll have to check back in. And then I think you had a movie you wanted me to watch, too. We're going to spin things up. 
I do, but you know what? I think we're going to talk about that uh, at the end of the show. And we'll have it in the show notes if you are if you wanted to know what it was, but you don't want to be spoiled on note. But it fits in so well with the conversation I want to have about that movie. All right. I guess we can do that. Uh, yeah, this whole like top of the show thing has turned into the, the horror movie review. I, kinda I know. Like it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, what do you say we, we talk about some news? This was very night light news week. But uh, I did I did find some things. There's some really cool stuff. I was looking at it before we started recording here. I am very interested to hear about this first one. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix up the order that I have in our notes here. But uh, so the first one I'm gonna talk about, um, there was a pilot who was flying over the Atlantic Ocean and he saw this mysterious red glow over the ocean. Uh, so I posted a picture of it and show images in our uh, Discord at tiny.cc slash creepy Discord. And you can see there's some clouds as he's looking out the window and there's this red glow coming through the clouds. And uh, what do you think that might be, Jaina? It's really weird in that it's like, you know, this row of lights almost. Um, you know what it looks like is it looks like like half of a triple moon uh, pennant. <laughs> Yeah, uh, glowing no, through the clouds, which is really neat. Uh, it's also interesting in that it appears to be really high. I mean, uh, did, does it note like where this uh, pilot was cruising? What was his cruising altitude? Because th this is definitely far above the clouds. Clouds look like it's a high ceiling, but the lights look like they're high up into the atmosphere. Right, right. No, it doesn't mention uh, how high up. Oh, no, 34,000 feet. It does. Okay. Um, and he was about four and a half hours away from Alaska, about five hours into our flight um, with Japan far behind us, 34,000 feet. And Alaska was about four and a half hours away. Oh, goodness. So this radio, is over heard, the ocean. Yes, that's right. Said on the radio, we heard air traffic control talking to other planes heading uh, for U.S. West Coast about sabotage due to strong earthquakes in San Francisco. Interesting. Said I noticed a deep red orange glow appearing ahead of us, and this was confirmed when I looked at the photo preview of my back camera. There was supposed to be nothing but endless ocean below for hundreds of miles around us. They originally looked uh, like a remote town or a group of typical Asian squid fishing boats, but that didn't make sense in this area. The lights we saw were much larger than your average city or group of boats. But they also glow red and orange instead of the usual yellow that uh, your cities would make. So it's very odd. And a lot of people are comparing this to uh, the upside down from Stranger Things. But there is uh, an actual answer to this question. Um, it is indeed a fishing boat uh, that is down there. And they have... Uh, so there, there is no uh, supernatural or anything creepy. Um, it looks so, so cool, this, though. I was thinking, like, it it, maybe it's earthquake cool. lights or something, you know? Yeah, right? Like, something crazy. But no, this article doesn't allude to it, but I did find another article that said, no, these are fishing boats um, that have these lights on them uh, that, like, shoot up into the sky, I guess. Oh, whatever website that you found cool the follow-up on must be really fun at parties. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like Newsweek or some crap. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this next uh, this next article I have here uh, is also taking place in the ocean. Um, another photo again in our Discord server. So Noah is doing not the not the biblical Noah, but the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Noah. 
uh, is doing a second voyage to the ridge, uh, which is approximately two miles underwater. And they're using like this little robotic thing. Uh, and they're cruising along the bottom of the ocean here. And they find these perfectly little dug holes in the bottom of the ocean uh, with these little uh, piles of sand uh, sticking out around them. And they're all like the same length and same diameter and they just continue on in this straight line and they have no idea what it is um, it looks like it posted on good i was gonna say it looks like uh like a sewing tracing wheel went across the ocean bottom here yeah it does they uh they posted on facebook actually asking people what do you think this is because we have no idea um, some people are saying they think it's a minor crack in the surface, allowing gases to escape, which may make sense, you know, blowing sand out. One said it may be a starfish doing cartwheels. Another Facebook said it's an alien craft uh, causing this or aliens digging holes. Some people think it may be like shrimps, but uh, we really don't know. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about the oceans in general, but it is very interesting. You know, the really funny thing about this, since that you said um, starfish, is there's like this pink in the middle and all i imagine now is that like if you look in the middle of the picture there's like a little pink in a hole and then there's a little pink off to the side and i imagine that those are patrick star's arms and like he's under there hiding just like oh i hope they don't find me spongebob <laughs> that would be really awesome right <laughs> like it looks it's, it's like exactly patrick color when you zoom into it too it's amazing it is. I think they're lasers. Superimpose but I'd like to Patrick and put it in our Discord. You should. Please do. Totally doing that. Our next story uh, we're going from the opposite of the ocean all the way out into space. NASA is looking to repurpose existing satellites to search for alien life in space. So, a few weeks ago, we talked about how it was hard to listen uh, for extraterrestrial life in space because of all the space junk that we have, as well as, you know, blocking of radio waves and stuff like that. And, it's hard to listen out in space, but NASA is actually looking at some of these abandoned satellites that are up there and repurposing them to point them out into the universe. That's wild. It, uh, yeah, that there's a lot of satellites out there with a bunch of interesting sensors on them that uh, may be able to be used uh, to probe for alien life. So I think that's interesting to be able to just kind of turn them around and repurpose them. There's not a whole lot in this article, but that's uh, kind of the gist of the story. It is really neat, though, that, you know, that's the way that they were able that, you know, thinking about recycling, right? You don't think about like mm -hmm. recycling stuff that's out in space, because how are you going to do that? But if you can just like find a way to, you know, reprogram and repurpose, that's amazing. I think that's so cool. I'm impressed by yeah, this very much, like the ingenuity involved there. It's impressive. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how they do it because a lot of those like rely on internal batteries or uh, a lot of them are nuclear powered or solar powered or whatever. But how do you tap in to control them uh, is the interesting thing because a lot of them have been knocked offline or whatever. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Now this last one is the one that I alluded to that uh, is really bizarre uh, considering what we talked about on our last episode. Now, the first part of the story is stupid. Uh, it's the second part, uh, but the, the title of this article is, is Chucky real? Uh, so there's this uh, figure of Chucky roaming around an Alabama neighborhood. Uh, well, it turns out it was a kid named Jackson who likes to dress up like Chucky and walk around the neighborhood. 
What? Uh, so that's not, <laughs> yeah, he just uh, dresses up as Chucky and walks around the neighborhood. I didn't post a picture of this yet, uh, but I will. This kid looks absolutely creepy. He just likes scaring people. So it's kind of like that clown craze of 20, whatever, 2010, 15, somewhere around there, 2010s. Um, so that's not the creepy part. The creepy part is when I was scrolling through this article and then I get to the, uh, get to the second part of this article and it says, who is Chucky? The or the origin story of the infamous haunted doll. Oh, come on. So I like to preface this by saying, uh, thank you for allowing us to talk about this and, uh, allowing us to talk about you last time. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> Chucky is said to be based on the haunted real-life doll named Robert. Robert the doll was gifted to Robert Eugene Otto by his family made in Key West, Florida. So this may sound familiar. Um, that's because we talked about this on our last uh, last episode um, about cursed objects. And it's really odd that this article was legitimately published uh, July 27th, 2022. And we... When did we record that episode? It was like a few days before that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it was you, the the twenty fourth. <laughs> so it, it it was just odd. As I was scrolling through stuff, I'm like, okay, come on, why is this popping up right now? Um, but yeah, that that that's what I have. <laughs> like, yep. the, that that's not coincidence. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I. I- don't have anything to share about it other than I think Robert is lovely. Yes, he is a lovely, lovely person, and we appreciate uh, us allowing you. Us, I can't even talk. Very I, dapper. That's all. I, <laughs> yes, a very dapper gentleman. Thank um, you so much for that's that. All that <laughs> that, that's all I have for the news. That's all I have. What do you say we we get into the story? I, I'm really excited. I know you've been preparing a lot. I've seen all of the images being posted in Discord, um, tiny.cc slash creepy Discord. There's a lot of maps and some old people. And then I, I don't know how many of these people are. <laughs> well, really let's get into it. I, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I'm, I'm going to preface with this one by stating, uh, you know, before we really get into this, uh, this story is widely thought to be a hoax. Um, so, like I told Tanner before the show, I think given some of the spooky strangeness that we encountered after our last episode, think of this as a lighthearted palate cleanser. Um, there is also some interesting accounts, though, that came decades after this story was first uh, told that make it one of my favorite ones and kind of gives you a pause and a little bit of, hmm, what if? So what we're talking about this week is the Philadelphia Experiment. It was an alleged event claimed to have been witnessed by an ex-merchant mariner named Carl M. Allen at the United States Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, sometime around October 28th, 1943. This was during World War II when Allen described an experiment where the United States Navy attempted to render the destroyer escort ship, the USS Eldridge, invisible. And the results were bizarre, to say the least. So several bits. Eldritch? Eldritch, correct. Okay. Are you familiar with it? No, no, I'm Eldritch like horror, yes. Oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Like, uh, what's his name? The Cthulhu. 
That's really a weird coincidence now that you mention it. I, I oddly Sorry. didn't I even <laughs> think about it. Like it's spelled differently, so that's why I didn't think about it. But yeah, that's... Oh. Uh, yeah, Eld- you said Eldritch, and that's the first thing that I thought of. <laughs> Eldridge. Oh, uh, so, gotcha. Yes. <laughs> so there's been some different uh, and some contradictory versions of the experiment that have circulated throughout media over the years and in paranormal liter- literature. Uh, there's actually even a feature film on the subject released in 1994, which is going to play a key role into this story, oddly. Uh, so the U.S. Navy maintains no such experiment was ever conducted naturally. Uh, but the journey we're about to take is basically the most widely accepted version of the events so before we get to the actual philadelphia experiment itself we have to start with the man who started the story carl allen he was born may 31st 1925 share a birthday with him i was also born may 31st (laughs) but he was born in springdale pennsylvania the eldest of five children his family described him as brilliant in school had a fantastic mind but he was also a person who was never really able to hold any particular job for long, and he was also seen as something of a drifter. Uh, his friends kind of considered him a quote-unquote master leg puller, uh, pulling pranks on people constantly. So, I mean, so many red flags on this guy already, and we're not even really into uh, all of his craziness. Um, in 1942, he joined the U.S. Marine, uh, Marine Corps, but he was discharged a year later. Right after that, he enlisted in the United States Merchant Marine, and after serving on many ships uh, he left the service in 1952 like I said so many just like what this guy's full of crap (laughs) I love it. So Alan first shared the story of the Philadelphia experiment in late 1955, when Alan sent an anonymous package marked Happy Easter, uh, containing a copy of Morris K. Jessup's book, The Case for UFO Unidentified Flying Objects, to the Office of Naval Research. The book was filled with handwritten notes in the margins, written in three separate shades of blue ink, and appearing to detail a debate among three separate individuals, hence the three pens, only one of whom is given a name, Jemmy. They commented on Jessup's ideas for the propulsion for the flying saucers, they discussed the alien races, and they expressed concern that Jessup was too close to discovering their technology. Commenters in the book sent uh, to the research office referred to each other as gypsies and discussed two different types of quote-unquote people living in outer space. The text contained non-standard use of capitalization and punctuation. It was kind of all over the place, something like a crazy person's memoir almost. Uh, But it did detail lengthy discussions and merits of various elements of Jessup's assumptions in the book. And there were even some references to the Philadelphia experiment, even if they were made in an oblique way. So shortly thereafter, in 1956, Allen then began sending a series of letters to Jessup, the author of the book himself, using his given name, as well as an alias, Carlos Miguel Allende. So I should also note here that uh, Allen had multiple uh, aliases that he went by over the years. 
Now, the first letter uh, warned Jessup not to investigate investigate the levitation of unidentified flying objects. Allen put forward a series of dangerous scientific-based uh, unpublished theories by Albert Einstein, and he further claimed a scientist named Franklin Reno put these theories into practice the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in October 1943. Which brings us to Allen actually sharing the details concerning the experiment. So before we move on to what the incident was itself, um, Carl Allen, already a really interesting character, somebody who, uh, you know, was able to spin a yarn and really bring somebody to the table and enthrall them with his storytelling and doing so in a way where we see, uh, I think we talked about it with some of the found footage movies where we talked about, it's like, you know, it doesn't seem like it's real, but like maybe it could be real um, because it's presented with such uh, passion and such confidence and in such a way that it makes you question the very reality that you're experiencing. So, you know, he sorry, sounds he sounds like a very interesting fellow. He also sounds like somebody who can spin a high tail, though. So, I'm very interesting to see where this is going. Yes. So the experiment, as Alan goes on to share, was allegedly based on an aspect of some unified field theory, a term coined by Albert Einstein, to describe a class of potential theories, such as uh, such theories would aim to describe mathematically and physically the interrelated nature of the forces of electromagnetism gravity. Uh, so basically, in other words, they're uniting these respective fields into a single field. Uh, so it's not just a clever name, unified field theory. There you go. It's your physics lesson for the day, kids. According to some accounts, researchers uh, thought that some version of this field would enable using large electrical generators to bend light around an object via refraction. Then that object would become completely invisible. We've heard about this refractive technology being uh, investigated and kind of like the stuff of a lot of times in science fiction when there's when there's invisibility, uh, it'll be because they're able to bend the light around the object. Uh, that's exactly what they were talking about here. According to some accounts, researchers thought that uh, they would be able to basically use it in in the navy and have this military value uh, by rendering their fleet invisible. Uh, and so the Navy grabbed right onto that, being that it was in World War II, and they sponsored the experiment, according to Alan. So the USS Eldridge, not the horror, but the Elder Ridge, <laughs> was fitted <laughs> with the required equipment at the Philadelphia Naval sh Shipyard. And the testing actually began in the summer of 1943. It wasn't until October that things got crazy. Uh, and because it was supposedly uh, successful to some limited extent, they didn't really push it so much in the summer, according to Alan. One test resulted in the Eldridge being rendered nearly invisible, with some witnesses reporting a greenish fog appearing in its place, which is not something that we've ever heard of when it comes to invisibility, like a, like a fog. Sometimes there'll be a shimmer, something like that. But a green fog always, I was like, that seems very strange. Like, is this where John Carpenter got his inspiration for the fog? Um, <laughs> but crew members also complained of severe nausea afterwards, and they were the lucky ones, if the tales to be believed. Um, the other thing that I like about this is, yes, you heard that right. According to this story, they attempted fringe science experiments on human beings as well as the ship. So 
on one hand, you think to yourself, no, the United States would never do that. But then you also think about some of the stories that have been declassified about United States experimentation through the early to mid 1900s. And it's like, hmm, that really doesn't come as any surprise at all. Yeah, no, there's been a ton of like experimentation on humans, like Mm -hmm. not even like supernatural stuff, like actual testing on human beings. Exactly. Uh, It's it's awful. Yeah. And and some of those stories I would actually like to get into one of these days, especially the ones that uh, were the inspiration behind Stranger Things. I think that would be fun. Um, Oh, yeah. But uh, so here's the part that grabbed me. Uh, you remember when I said that the sailors who reported the mild to severe nausea were the lucky ones? Yes. So reportedly, when the ship reappeared, some sailors were embedded in the metal structures of the ship, including one sailor who ended up on a deck level below where he began. And his hand was embedded in the steel hull as the ship. So some of these so like fate out and phased back into existence exactly and it's almost like the ship uh phased at a different timing than the biological people uh resulting in some of them you know getting stuck inside of it uh some sailors also went and this is a quote completely bananas um meaning they suffered from severe neurological degeneration after this so the i con- imagine if, if i <laughs> assuming this happened if I saw my friend or my fellow seaman standing next to me and the ship just disappeared and then it reappears and his arm like it's chopped off, uh, I'd go completely bananas also. Think about what your brain is. Your your brain yeah. is a series of proteins essentially, right? Um, right? So what happens if those proteins don't phase back together how they were before it phased out? Yeah, you go crazy. <laughs> the uh, the conjecture then claims the equipment was not properly recalibrated after this, and the experiment was repeated on October 28th, 1943, like we talked about. This time, though, Eldridge not only became invisible, but disappeared from the area in a flash of blue light and teleported, ship teleported to Norfolk, Virginia, which is over 200 miles away from the Philadelphia shipyard. Uh, and it's claimed that the Eldridge sat for some time in view of men aboard the SS Andrew Frusenth. Uh, I'm assuming I'm saying that right. <laughs> Whereupon the Eldridge vanished again and reappeared in Philadelphia at the site it originally occupied. Also need to reemphasize that none of these allegations have been independently substantiated. <laughs> but it's a fun so, story so far. Is this all based on the words of... Mr. Carl or Mr. Allen, there, or is this all docky? I mean, it hasn't been substantiated, like you said, but has this been confirmed by anybody else? Or is this all based off of one person saying, no, this happened, I promise? So that's the interesting part is that, you know, Alan was the first one to come forward. And then there was a couple, uh, you know, people who jumped on to that and claimed that they had other stories. Uh, you know, there a lot of them con- contradicted some of the things Alan said. Some of them supported some of the things Alan said. Um, but there is one story in particular that makes this so delicious for me. I love it. Um, so... There's another report where the warship went approximately 10 minutes back in time. 
uh, which fits in lovely with our time slip episode. If you listen to episode four, you know that's going to pique my attention. And it brings us to, in my opinion, the most interesting companion story on this topic, Al Bielek, who is time traveler. So you want to talk about somebody else's account of what happened? A man by the name of Al Bielek would publicly claim he spent time in two separate periods of the future only to return to the present and tell his story. So we'll get into a little bit of what Al, who Al was here, because Al was much like Carl Allen. He was described as a rather strange individual by those that knew him. Uh, he was born to an average family in 1927 and had a pretty typical childhood, grew up surrounded by the love of his family. But there was something kind of strange about Al. I was going to say weird about Al, but that's a Roku movie coming out soon. I'm so excited for the Weird Al movie. Uh, Al's earliest memory, though, was from before he could walk, which I don't know about you, Tanner. Um, most people don't remember things at that young of an age. I certainly don't. No, absolutely not. And he remembers crawling on the floor while all the adults were around him having a conversation. At such a young age, he even recalls understanding the things that they were saying. So, like, he couldn't speak, but he could understand what they were saying. Um, Al had just these vivid memories from his early years. And as Al went through life, he was kind of known as the walking encyclopedia. This was a name that his classmates gave him. He didn't really understand why his brain was able to retain a plethora of information, but it did. People would come to him and he was just like, you know, Johnny on the spot with all of these answers anytime they needed something. Um, on his 60th birthday, clues finally started coming together though and al began understanding why he always felt a little off in the way he did now remember at the top of the show we talked about the philadelphia experiment feature uh, also being a feature film so in 1988 Be uh, bielik was watching the philadelphia experiment film with his family the movie didn't seem comprehensible to anyone other than al i mean an entire navy ship phasing in and out of reality not something the average person in 1988 is going to really buy into uh, but during the movie al got this chilling and unsettling feeling through his body as if he'd seen the whole thing before so he had like almost a deja vu moment from watching what most people today would call a really cheesy uh sci-fi movie <laughs> after the movie everybody went on with their lives but al you know, it, the film had a huge effect on him. Uh, months after watching it, he still couldn't shake these disturbing and unsettling feelings that he had. And uh, as soon as the movie ended, actually, he started experiencing like these really intense and eerie flashbacks. Uh, they, they scared the crap out of him. They began really concerning him after some time as well. They felt like they were clear and vivid memories, but he couldn't tell if they were real because it wasn't about anything that he recalled having a memory of. At a certain point, he thought his mind was just playing tricks on him and he was going crazy. Um, when the flashbacks weren't slowing down months later, needed to dig in and uh, try and find, you know, what was causing this. He decided that he was going to go whole hog into it. He explored new age approaches to memory retrieval. He also started speaking to psychics and therapists. And I have to give Al kudos in this because it's a two-pronged approach. He's going uh, mystical and science-based to try and figure out what's going on there, which is cool. Uh, eventually, yeah, that's good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like a second opinion, but I'd like a second opinion from somebody who understands chakras. Thank you. Right. <laughs> So eventually he was able to puzzle, uh, to piece his memories together like a puzzle. Uh, and he started seeing a fuller picture. But upon seeing the picture, there was really no going back for Al. And he started telling people what he was learning and nobody believed it. So about two years after seeing the movie in 1990, 
Al finally started sharing what he had been able to put together. And his revelation uh, is that the name Al Bielik wasn't even his real name. <laughs> Al claimed that his real name was Edward Cameron and that he had been born into Al Bielik's body. Story Al would go on to share is that in 1939, he and his brother from the former life, Duncan Canyon, enlisted in the U.S. Navy. And during that time, scientists such as John Hutchinson, John Van Neumann, Nikolai Tesla, and Albert Einstein were apparently helping the government develop a specific project. Hmm. Four years after the brothers enlisted, they were sent aboard the USS Eldridge. Hmm. This ultimately changed their lives forever, as Al would report, not only were the experiments on the Eldridge that were depicted in the Philadelphia Experiment and shared by Carl were not only true, but it was just the tip of the iceberg. So he said that immediately when the experiment happened, every sailor on the ship felt tremendously sick. Again, we talked about that at minimum. That was, you know, the thing that happened. People were screaming. They were frightened. That was when the two brothers decided their best bet was to jump overboard. They didn't really know what was happening. They were kind of freaked out. I'm willing to bet, you know, like we talked about earlier, they were seeing these people phasing in and out and just like, oh, crap, we got to get out of here. They're in a shipyard. They can jump overboard. Not a huge deal for them. They expected to jump over the bow, end up in the water. But instead, they found themselves suspended in the air. And for a short time, just kind of hung there before everything went black. So they woke up in an unfamiliar place that they'd never seen. Al or Edward at this time expected to land in the water, like we said, but he didn't. He definitely wasn't on a ship either. Instead, he woke up in a hospital bed next to his brother. They were both suffering from severe radiation burns that were covering their entire bodies. Now, the story's been pretty crazy up to this point. Right? <laughs> there is a saying in some circles, though. When you think you've hit bottom, there's always another trapdoor. When things couldn't get any weirder for Al, that's when they did. Because he learned that he was no longer in the year 1943, but that he had traveled through time. Al later recalled, we arrived in the year 2137 in pretty bad shape. He wound up in hospitals for around a month. And that's when he began asking questions of those around him. The answers were quite far from comforting. Felix said that the doctors told us about various events and showed us some maps of the United States that had been altered. Uh, you can see those, by the way. Tanner alluded to it at the top of this, but those pictures uh, of the map that uh, uh, that he would go on to draw out can be seen in our Discord, tiny.cc slash creepydiscord. Uh, the doctors explained to him that severe social and climate changes took place between World War II and 2137. Almost all the West Coast and Southeast were underwater. The United States would be almost unrecognizable to him. Atlanta was next to the coastline, but Florida was completely gone. And when you think a time travel story couldn't get any crazier without the involvement of a phone booth, Felix and his brother found themselves traveling in time once again after six weeks in 2137. This time, as Al goes on to share, he wasn't able to recall what led to the instance of time travel, but he did remember is he ended up in the year 2749. Once again, waking up in a hospital, but nothing like the one that he had woken up in previously. He woke up, he saw the technology was so far advanced, no one needed to tell him he was in the future. It was obvious to him this time. 
Finding out, like I said, he was in 2137, that was overwhelming. Turned out to be nothing compared to the feelings he would face with hundreds of years in the future in 2749, though. But he decided to make the most of it and reports that he spent about two years of his life in the 28th century working as a tour guide. Which is an interesting occupation for somebody not altogether familiar with the surroundings. <laughs> so it was during this yeah, time that... that. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure it's one of those things like, you know, maybe he I, I didn't go deep enough to find out what he was a tour guide of. Maybe he was a tour guide of like, you know, early 20th century pop art. And, you know, he just happened to be like, oh, yeah, that was what my buddy made down in Soho. <laughs> so it was during the time that he was working as this tour guide that here in the uh, Earth was basically completely different from what it used to be. At uh, this time in 2749, the world was controlled by a synthetic computer system, or an AI as we would describe it today. He described it saying it looked like a huge crystal. The system would basically communicate all messages telepathically to the people who needed it to receive. Really interesting about thing about this is when he would go on to ask people, when did this happen? People kind of looked at him like he was crazy, like, because that's just the way it's always been. The computer's been in charge of the world. Like, what do you mean before? Whoa, this, that's just the way it's always been. He spent two years being controlled by a crystal computer and being a tour guide in an area that he was unfamiliar with. And after two years, everything shifted again. <laughs> Felix and his brother went through another time travel experience. This time, they were sent to 1983. When they got there, the brothers were debriefed by top secret government officials about their activities, and the government then put them to work. That's right, they essentially became time cops for the United States government on missions until a certain point when the government even began to feel threatened by good old Al. To alleviate their concerns, the government came up with a new idea for time travel journey that would hopefully get rid of the threat. Elick was previously sent to the future on all of his missions. This time, he was sent to the past. Further back that Bielik traveled in this case, he regressed out of existence. That's how they worded it. So basically, you know, kind of shrinking back until the year he was born. Um, the time traveler who was known as Edward Cameron was essentially then born into the body of Al Bielik. So this gentleman becomes Benjamin Button meeting Samuel Beckett in Quantum Leap. And hmm. then the life so of the odd man... travels back into a baby? Exactly. <laughs> so he went backwards come, in time. And, and, and then the best part is after all of this time travel journey, then the life of the odd man known as the walking encyclopedia begins and the time loop begins anew. So, all right. I have a couple questions. I would hope so after First this. <laughs> because it's been quite a journey we've been on here. It, so is he. <laughs> uh, the the first one. All right. I'm looking at this map that you posted in Discord. Uh, so projected areas of destruction by water 2020 to 2025. So we're like halfway through this. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so in the next three years, Florida is going to be gone. On. Uh, interesting. It's very interesting. And then, uh, see, I don't, I 100% believe in climate change. I don't know that, like, 
can the destruction be that bad that in three years, like you could completely engulf a state like that? I don't think so. I also think it's funny that we have to talk about believing in climate change like it's the Easter Bunny and not a scientific fact. Sorry if we lose some well, listeners on that one. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know. <laughs> but sometimes you have to say stuff like, uh, I, I don't know, but it is scientific fact. And if you disagree, then, well, goodbye. Listen, um, I just I just took us on a journey that was about the most ridiculous thing any of y'all have heard in the past nine months at the very least. You can't tell me right. the climate change isn't real after that one. If I'm going to talk right. about this, like right. it's the gospel. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and if you believe all of that and not climate change, then you need to, yeah. <laughs> you need to rethink your priorities, maybe. Um, but the other question. So when he travels back in time into a baby, how come when he goes forward like hundreds of years, why isn't he an old man? Like, why is time different going back and not forward? So I didn't get into the details of why it was different, but if you remember, the government basically got nervous with him. So they developed a new means by which to send him on his journey. Uh, so my thought there would be that they just basically said, okay, hey, if we do it this way, he's going to be aging. Kind of like, uh, so like in Star Trek or in, no, it was in the Orville uh, this past season have like this quantum shield that covers the ship and when they travel past light speed now the, you know the theory states that if you travel past faster than light speed uh you're going to a uh, the world around you is going to pass super fastly so you know time for you is going to be five minutes around you it's going to be 500 years uh so in the orville this past season they figured out a way like hey if we just turn off this shielding then you know we'll have the time travel while we jump to light instead of just jumping to light speed i, I have to think maybe it was something similar to that where maybe there's a protection that goes on to the individual when they do the time travel and uh, maybe they were able to remove that safeguard. That's the story that I'd like to stick with. I, I honestly don't know though. It seems viable. <laughs> See, that's interesting because then it's like, maybe the government hadn't tested it up to this point. And they're like, well, we're gonna send him back in time. Uh, let's see what happens. He's gonna be a baby. And when he's a baby, he's gonna lose all of his memory, but he didn't clearly. And it's an experiment. So you don't know if it's gonna work. And he's a baby and you can't just ask him like, <laughs> uh, until he's old enough to become a threat again. And then, huh, it's odd. And then, if he's a threat, then why not turn off your time protection and send him into the future super far until he's like old and dies? Like, oh, that's it. Well, I mean, odd. at that point, why don't you just shoot him? Like, that just seems like murder with extra steps. <laughs> that, you know, that's true. Unless they're protecting <laughs> him for something. Like, I, I don't know. It, Anyway, sorry. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's awesome. A very, it's, a, it's a lot of interesting things. Yeah, I'll so like I said, you know, the story itself of the Philadelphia experiment is one that, I mean, like I said, it's it's been debunked to here and back. Uh, but the fact that you have these ancillary stories that go into it, such as the one about Al Bielik, uh, who, you know, has this time travel component that goes into it, uh, you know, Honestly, I don't care. Like, I know that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is fake. I still really enjoy it. Um, with this one, at least, you know, because there's a component of reality to it, uh, I may know that realistically this probably didn't happen. But when you suspend your disbelief and think, what if, it's a really fun trip. No, yeah. And you know, <laughs> barring our last episode, if you think that with any of the stuff we talk about, 
like you suspend your disbelief just a little bit. Same with like watching a horror movie. You suspend your disbelief and just think, what if this was real? Uh, like an MCU movie or anything, you know? And uh, like no, pro wrestling like story is fascinating. Yeah, just like pro wrestling, which I cannot get into. So if you like it, I'm sorry. I'm a pro <laughs> wrestling I, ref. I can't do it. Are you? I am. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I am refing a show to... here local coming up on the 27th this month. That sounds awesome. I used to be addicted to the show Total Divas. Like that show was awesome. <laughs> the <laughs> it was like the women's pro wrestling show. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't even. It was like the show. women of pro wrestling, like having their reality show. Is there ever any yeah, wrestling it was on awesome. it? Awesome. Yeah, they had. Well, I mean, it was mostly like drama with like John Cena and Nikki Bella. All right. <laughs> uh, and then like, but yeah, there was like some wrestling and then. I don't know. Sorry, we've like completely derailed. <laughs> but, oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, there was some wrestling, uh, but no, this was this was really cool. That was a very interesting journey that you took us on, just Thank like you. just like uh, Mr. Belick. Yes, went on <laughs> forward and back again, there and back again, there and back again. A time Hobbit's tale. <laughs> love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. So, what do we have coming up next time, Tanner? Before we get into our spoilerific topic, uh, conversation on Nope. Yeah. So while we were looking for a movie last night, uh, I actually came across a like docu series on Netflix that just got added on the Skinwalker Ranch, and I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I know of it, and I know a little bit about the Skinwalker. Uh, like myth but i don't know specifically about the branch and i think it'd be fun because i know i think you know some about it oh yeah i think it'd be fun if we did like a joint episode on this it'd be our first one uh so we can kind of both come at it with our own ways of researching and present to each other what we found and maybe fill in some gaps that either of us uh either of us missed and i think that that might be fun to do. I, I know I didn't it. talk to you about this beforehand. I'm just springing it on to you now because I typed it in there four minutes ago. <laughs> I love it. I'm I here for it. it out earlier. I love the Skinwalker Ranch. There's, I actually have been watching that docuseries that you talked about on Netflix. There's also a uh, really good documentary that came out uh, two, three years ago. I believe it's on Amazon. So I think that's going to be part of the research that I toss into this one as well. That'll be fun. Um, for those of you who uh, are going to stick around for the nope, uh, we're going to read through this really quick, um, and then you can stick around for the nope discussion. But you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Creepy Peep Show. Our website is at Rambling Nerd, where we post uh, our show notes, um, as well as images and stuff. You can send us an email at podcast at ramblingnerd.com with any thoughts, theories, questions, uh, if you have any topics you'd like us to cover. Uh, you can send us an email there. You can join us on our Discord server. I've seen more and more people popping in there, so thank you, and more and more people chatting. It's tiny.cc slash creepy Discord, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me on Twitter at Tweeted Tanner. And Jana, where can we find you? Follow me on Insta to watch me play ukulele poorly and see pictures of me skateboarding and wrestling refereeing at Jana.pride with a Y. Right, and for those of you who'd like to stay around for nope, we're gonna have that discussion right meow. Rest of y'all can right. nope out. Ah, ah, ah. 
yeah, you can nope out of this conversation. So, nope. My... So all of Jordan Peele's movies have this, like... Have some sort of theme behind them. Get Out was about racism. Uh, Us is about classism and people who are rich versus people who are poor. And, like, the different life standards that you live. And us in my opinion is about like exploitation um I don't know though it was like such a bizarre movie I'm curious to see though what moment in the film triggered that flight or fight response for you before I get into that I want to say that this movie um I feel like it degenerated as each act went on (laughs) Like, the first act was yes. solid. The second act was really good. And then there's, like, the reveal at the end of the second act that um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a UFO or UAP. I, I laughed at that scene that you uh, told me where you thought of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It was- but it's, 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 I mean, it's technically a UAP, right? It's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, but it's not, like, what we mm-hmm. think of as a flying saucer. It's an actual biological entity. Uh, when that was revealed, I'm like, oh. All right. Well, I guess I'll watch the rest of this. Like I didn't care up until that point, though. So here's the here's the scary part for me. Um, ghosts, as I've talked about, don't scare me. Um, monsters don't scare me. Vampires don't scare me. None of that shit scares me. Um, what scares the crap out of me are greys, though. <laughs> so the yeah. scene when OJ is walking through the barn at night and the horses are kind of kicking up and. There's these grays that are popping around and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And like, I had my feet off the ground and I was like wrapped up in my jacket and I'm like, have my face like just hidden. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then it turns out to be kids. I'm like, oh my God. But like my heart was pumping so hard at that. And then what, like two minutes later, the sister is on the camera and you're like, oh God, oh God. Okay, they're going to show something creepy now. And they were just showing these grays and they made you think that it's not real, but guess what? It's going to be real. And then what happens? The mantis shows up on the camera. I literally screamed and threw something and I still don't know what I threw. (laughs) That's where your phone went. Yeah. That's why you needed a new one. Because I thought it was like a gray showing up on the screen. So that's what scared me. But then once once it went like into a biological entity and it turned into like a, a freaking sheet monster orchid like it, it was a bed sheet that looked like an orchid essentially at the end and i'm like really mm-hmm. yeah no that part i don't know see that kind of horror i really love uh th- that moment that you described with the kids in the barn um <clears throat> i really like that stuff like that part got my heart racing too <sighs> i'm excited uh, for the movie i'm going to recommend to you then and then that was like the only part that like really freaked me out like the rest of it i'm like okay whatever uh a lot of people hated the the chimpanzee thing um what was the yeah, point the of whole that movie it that that the whole point of the chimp and the asian guy and the it, it's all a social commentary on like exploitation because like the the chimpanzee was being exploited uh by hollywood to perform on this tv show and he freaked out and killed everybody the asian guy was being exploited to be the token asian kid on this like 
or token non-white person on this on this TV it's show. Like a Disney Channel show. Yeah the, yeah, the horses are being exploited to be fed to this monster thing. Uh, the the alien is being exploited because it's being filmed by Hollywood and like that's alluded to by the YouTuber TikTok guy who like rides up on the motorcycle. I don't even know what the point of him was or who he was. He was from TMZ, remember? (laughs) They're like, oh, he's from TMZ. He's like, he's like, oh, I'm going to film the thing. And it's like, it's like it was this weird commentary on like exploiting things for like entertainment. Uh, But yeah, the like chimp thing it didn't fit well and i don't think it translated very well like into a movie i know because i had i i didn't understand the point of it frankly and maybe maybe part of that is like my white privilege not understanding the exploitation part i will fully recommend or recommend i was reading the word recommend i will fully uh admit (laughs) that that may be the case but like i i don't know it's it just you're right it's the way to put it it didn't seem to fit and then we left the theater and we all like looked at each other and we're like, yeah, it was okay. And said it was really good up until the spaceship was a living thing. And we said it was interesting that they went that direction because that I don't hasn't really been done before in that you think that it's like a UFO or UAP and it's actually like this living creature but then it turns into this majestic sky beast right. like flapping its wings with its pulsating mouth thing uh don't really get that at all like i don't understand why it transformed um it's like yeah it was a very very odd to me it was like the first act was like fire in the sky uh the second mm-hmm. act was like jaws but in the in the sky uh, and the third act was like piano, but not as meaningful. Like it was just like artsy for the sake of being artsy. Yeah, it and that I don't know. That's why I was kind of disappointed. Like Get Out and Us were legitimately like Get Out. You've mentioned you've seen is. It's a psychological horror movie oh. and it's legitimately terrifying at parts um and is about racism and us is a slasher film that is legitimately scary at parts and like i said is about classism uh and then this one other than that one like four or five minute sequence with the kids in costumes and the praying mantis like uh the rest of it was like okay like this is something i don't know yeah uh, like I said, I'm not mad that I. <laughs> my spoiler. All right, so so how I mentioned the film that I wanted to recommend for you, which we have to make sure we put in the show notes uh, for the folks that checked out early. Yes. Um, but uh, so I'm glad that you said that that scene that scared the crap out of me uh, is some of your favorite horror, because uh, the movie that I would like to recommend to you is the 1989 uh, Christopher Walken vehicle Communion, based on the Whitley Strieber mod- um, novel. It's uh, basically a tale of like uh, this family out in the middle of the woods going through uh, some some alien abduction phenomena. 
sounds really good. First time I saw I, it, I was knee-high to a duck, and I still have nightmares to this day, which is why the scene that we talked about in Nope affects me so much still. This is exciting. I've never seen it, uh, which is rare that I've... There's been, like, a, a scary horror movie that I've not seen uh, I didn't know this movie existed. It's actually the first time I've ever heard of it. I don't think it was really uh, well so. received. I think it had like a, I, yeah, it's like a 33% Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, and keep in mind that I Most don't think I've- horror movies do. Right, that's true. I don't think I've watched it either since like high school, maybe. Um, so I actually am going to watch it also in addition to the one that you recommended, Hereditary. All right. Yeah, Hereditary is, I just looked it up, sitting at an 89%. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's uh, it's pretty high up there. Uh, it's a, as I'm thinking more about Hereditary, it, I'm remembering more. So I think you'll enjoy it, but we'll see. It's, it's different. I don't think it's very ghosty, but it. Awesome. See. I don't want to say too. Communion, by the way, you can stream on Peacock, Tubi, Vudu, Amazon, Plex, Roku, uh, free on all of those. Yeah, it's uh. Let's get to watching. We have a whole bunch of movies we need to watch. I love it. I love it. It'll be. This was uh, this was fun. Uh, thank you. I've learned so much. I'm glad we got to discuss. Nope. I'm glad you got to see. Uh, in my opinion, one of the scariest movies I've seen in a while, and uh, I'm excited to watch one of the scariest movies you think. Legit, the scariest movie I've ever seen. Like, I'm almost really concerned to good. go back and watch it again. <laughs> It'll be yeah. good. Uh, that way, uh, I, I don't remember if I said it in the show or before the show, but there's a there's a movie called Dark Sky. Yes. It's an alien movie that now that I know that that is what scares you, I think Dark Skies will will legitimately terrify you. Uh, if I don't watch it before the next episode, which with all the things that we have to watch, I probably won't. I'm definitely going to watch it by the next one after that. Added that to my Netflix queue for sure. It's awesome. But anyway, everyone who has stuck through, who has watched Nope uh, and has listened to our commentary, thank you so much. And if you haven't watched Nope and you don't care about spoilers, go watch. I'd, I'd still recommend seeing it, I guess or wait for it to come out on some streaming service. Uh, I wouldn't rush out to go see, see it unless you're like a huge Jordan Peele fan. It's one question though, because uh, I think part of it was the experience of watching it in the cinema because of the like the UAPs flying all over the place, right? And you're getting kind of that cinematic mm -hmm. with the sound and everything. That was a pretty cool experience. I'll give it that. The sound, sound design was awesome. It was. We actually, <laughs> that's the first movie that we went Thursday before opening like midnight release for that movie we had to like transition to night shift and we're like hey let's go watch this movie at midnight the theater was packed nice. like everyone was ready to go and then everyone was kind of like nope. oh okay <laughs> like <nope>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh, thanks everybody who has stuck around and listened uh, next time we will be talking about like we said the Skinwalker Ranch uh, it should be a should be a fun episode. Looking forward to it. <laughs>